Now, this podcast series has been created to help you to find engagement in some unusual places and some usual suspects too. And we'll be waxing lyrical about stakeholder engagement, how to keep stakeholders happy and engaged. But yeah, it's it's strange Mm. to me. I find that a real quandary for an internal communicator to siphon off that amount of time to actually build a relationship and then the same, at the same time in parallel execute internal communications. We need to identify who's not going to be a pain in your backside, mm. who is going to make some noise but they have no authority over what you're doing, and then you look at who's actually could ruin my life. Yeah. <laughs> who could make my life awful at work in terms of getting this over the line? don't like the two by two grid think of who the audience in groups or individuals is impacted interested or influential make a list of three and there can be people who are in both lists but this can help you think categorize the people if the two by two grid doesn't work for you Hello and welcome to episode 50 of Engagement Express, the podcast series for HR engagement and internal communication pros. My name's Katie Siche and I'm a global internal communications and collaboration consultant who's worked internationally for over 20 years to bring engagement and internal communication strategies to many organizations. Now, this podcast series has been created to help you to find engagement in some unusual places and some usual suspects too. Today, I'm joined by the wonderful Rebecca Sankster-Kelly, who you may recall joined me in 2021 for an episode discussing psychological safety. Well, this time she's my co-host and we'll be waxing lyrical about stakeholder engagement, how to keep stakeholders happy and engaged. Well, let's jump in. So Rebecca, really great to have you back on Engagement Express, this time as a co-host. How do you feel about it? (laughs) Well, I'm always up for a chat and discussing things and, you know, shaking the apple cart a bit. Yeah, excellent. And you're great for that because you have such innovative ideas about internal communication and employee engagement. So I'm really super excited to have this discussion with you today. And it's about stakeholder management in this instance. Mm -hmm. It's something that I find quite challenging sometimes, especially when it comes to organisations that are quite hierarchical and have strong views on um, rank rank and file. Mm. So what what are your perceptions, initial perceptions around stakeholder management? It's interesting when you say like about the hierarchy being the challenging, because I sometimes think it, hierarchy is not the only time it can be challenging. It can be very challenging when organizations want to make a big change and it's a collaboration between like three or more areas. They're like, everyone's going to work together. And you're watching it go down. You're like, this is a political atom bomb waiting to go off. <laughs> And people are just thinking it's going to happen. And communicators already have so much on their to-do list. I can understand why stakeholder management gets left to this wayside because you're already trying to think of what people should be thinking, feeling, doing in the moment. 
But planning ahead on what your messaging means six months down the road, a year down the road, or even over a hostile three weeks, <laughs> it just adds that complexity that's easier to ignore because your boss, your client, the leadership aren't aware that it's important. Mm. And when you said about hierarchy, yeah, it, it can. I've There has been some uh, projects I've been on where there was a very strict hierarchy in an organization where they didn't, the change per the change contact wasn't allowed to speak directly to <laughs> the manager. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> that time stakeholder management. But when it comes to, I think we need to think more creatively because it's one thing to see who the decision maker is. And in those kind of cases where you can't access the decision maker, this is where you have an opportunity to look at the broader picture and see who has the ear of the decision maker. Who knows who knows who this person does this, this person does that. Oh, that they take meetings with them. Is this something that person would champion? Would this make that person look good? When we're thinking more outside the box of what we, sh- we think we should be doing in terms of engagement to that person, I need, I need to get this done. And that person's going to see this as a win. I will use that person to the nth degree because we're both getting something out of it. Right, right. But it's practice and you can't, it's, and that's the other part where we have our communications methodology, we, how we measure success in digital channels. We have what the expectations are of what engagement means we got this many views, this many people attended this. Whereas stakeholder management is a very organic trial by fire at times. And sometimes it's just building a relationship for three months with someone yeah, as an investment towards what the ultimate goal is. That's exactly right. I mean, this is the thing that I struggle with is that investment, because as you say, you know, internal communicators have so much on their plate. They've got so many tactics to get done within a specific period of time. And usually they're time bound. So Mm. you have a specific time um, to get this particular email out or this video produced or um, this podcast um, completed, whatever it is, it's always time bound and there's always stress. Um, and pressure associated with getting that piece of communication out. And then you're thinking, hang on, okay, right, I know I've got stakeholders, pivotal stakeholders Mm -hmm. that I need to talk to. And like you said, you know, three months, you can't build a relationship in a week. You can't say, Mm. I'm going to cordon off a couple of hours, you know, over this period of um, a few days to build a relationship. You know, it takes time. And three months, you know, sounds like about right. But yeah, it's it's strange Mm -hmm. to me. I find that a real quandary for an internal communicator to siphon off that amount of time to actually build a relationship and then at the same time in parallel execute internal communications. It can seem overwhelming, especially when it's like you don't know what you need that person for or you don't know what's coming. But it's also, if said so, a stakeholder two by two mapping. So influence versus interest. Yeah. I was working with one client and they wanted to put all the important people in the manage closely, the top uh, <laughs> right hand quadrant. I'm like, no, 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 no. You do not have enough time in your life for that. 
We need to high. We need to identify who's not going to be a pain in your backside. Mm. Who is going to make some noise, but they have no authority over what you're doing. And then you look at who's actually could ruin my life. Yeah. <laughs> Who could make my life awful at work in terms of getting this over the line? Yeah. And it's the prioritization of that. But at the same time, I'm, and I recognize this comes down to personality because some people. Uh, I've trained quite a few people on how to go into networking events so that they actually feel equipped to get to have objectives to get things done and not be like a fish out of water. Mm. And I recognize not everyone wants to socialize with everyone in the office, especially in offices where appearances are everything. And it could look like you're just wasting time when really you need to start these, having these conversations. So it is about, as I said, prioritizing your stakeholders, but recognizing the investment of having a chat, having coffee with some, I think, curiosity in mind mm. of what that person could do. Even challenge yourself to chat, to look at someone differently because we all judge everyone to a degree. That's how we sort through whether someone's worth engaging with or not. Is Do we, do we, do we need to give that person more space? Are they being unpredictable kind of thing yeah. on the street? But in an office environment, it's even if it's just learning to say, remind yourself to say hi to people at the coffee machine. Yeah. It can seem like such a waste of time and being like, okay, so I said hi, so what? But it's about being open in that moment that next time you see someone at that coffee machine and they know what you do and you know what they do, they bring up, oh, by the way, I'm doing this. I hear you're doing this. And building that internal network with people so that when you send an email, they'll actually respond when you and build that trust where they're what they've met you, they're watching you. And we have to also remember that when people even if we think people don't see things, people see things, people are always yeah. watching. And that even that small engagement of saying hi, that remembering they have a dog named Bruno, <laughs> whatever it is, people like to be seen, they like to be heard, but they are watching you. And they're also, that's also you building your credibility by just acknowledging them. Yeah, exactly. So, so it, it can be a big, a stakeholder management can be a whole science in itself. And mm. it can be just saying hi and being open and accessible. Yeah, I love the way you look at that, because that certainly makes it more easier should we say or simpler mm. when you put it that way so you say it could be as simple as just saying hello to someone at a coffee machine or at the water cooler and I hasten to add that has become more problematic um, since COVID because mm. we're yep. in the office we're less present physically than we used to be so maybe that's the discussion we can have as well but when mm. people look at stakeholder management they always think oh like you know grid you know hierarchy influence power um, you know, interest, all of those things that you mentioned and, and mapping out, literally mapping out on a piece of paper or a, an A3 sheet, who should fit into which part of the grid. Um, and it is a science, like you say, in of itself. So it can be quite scary if you're not mm. necessarily acquainted with the different yep. models. But yeah, I love that idea. I do like it. I, you know, I'm, I'm just going to say I like that idea. I don't have any, any kind of, uh, <laughs> any kind of uh, recommendations around it. But and you just made me think, yeah, that's quite cool. Just saying hello. And it's a, it's a soft touch 
engagement piece, because also as communicators, people can see internal comms as the barrier for them getting their message out, right? which is not always the it can't It doesn't always be the case. It could be that you could be, but it's about making those connections so people know that you're approachable. So when they have the, have something they want to go out, they know that they, oh, you do that. Should I be doing it this way? And it'd be like, well, it'd be more powerful if you followed this process and do this channel. Yeah. <laughs> And when I've been on different assignments, especially as a consultant, and and I worked closely with internal comms, though, because I had those connections, I was able to, to funnel people to internal comms to have those discussions and reassure them that no, they're not going to say no, they will have feedback on how you could do this better. And it's a, that's, but that's, again, goes down to the relationship building and such. So you can have that piece of the, for the internal communicator where it's, helping them establish their credibility and brand in the office. Yeah. And then you have that other piece of understanding what on earth is going on in the organization. So you have your finger on the pulse. Yeah. And then we'll add in that those big projects when they're coming in and you're like, I need to get this over the line, need to get this over the line. But they said, oh, go do without any backing or (laughs) power to get it done. (laughs) Yeah, that's what they do. That's that's our quandary time and time again as internal communicators. And you know, as I said earlier about this COVID thing, you know, the, the fact that we're not in the office as much as we used to, we're not mm. physically present as much as we used to be. And I've, you know, worked throughout with various clients and it has been difficult building mm. relationships when you're not necessarily in the same place with someone. And I've had conversations where people have said, oh, I'm talking to you now and I can see you on the call and you're so friendly and amiable and easy to talk to. But then when you send emails, it comes across different. And we mm. all know what happens with emails. People place their experiences, their expectation, their current mood even on, yep. the, on the way they read it. There's no context. Definitely. So what would your advice be? What would you say? Because I, I think it's much harder to build relationships in this, this era we're living in. So in with that, I've so when I go into I go into my client sites once a week. And I make sure that I have chats with people. I let them know I'm coming in. So I make going into the office an event rather than I have to go into the office. <laughs> the On that part. But also it's, I knew someone actually who set up random coffee dates, met like ping someone over Teams. And there's like, hey, I want to have coffee with you. Can you mind if I put it in your diary? And they yeah. put aside at half an hour to an hour a day where they caught up with people or met people. And I feel that that's the, it's having to make that extra effort because you're not having the architecture of a building enabling you to cross paths. You have to make your own path. Right. And I think it's, and this is going to be a, as a foreigner in this country, I, uh, in, I'm Britain I'm referring to, <laughs> uh, British people have to get used to being um, asked, being direct and saying, hey, do you want to have coffee? Because even I, I find that the people who suggest coffee are such as myself or people from other countries. Right. <laughs> That's not a very British thing to do. No. But it's one of those things that is very effective because mm. I've never had someone, even just from my perspective, no one's ever said no to coffee. No, you're so right. You really are. And it is very you know, American thing, the Canadian thing, you mm-hmm. know, even um, it could possibly be even 
yeah, other parts of the world like Brazil and uh, Latin America, where people are more more comfortable making that kind of social proposal or suggestion. So mm-hmm. I've worked with um, uh, I worked with an American lady, a, a wonderful woman, several years ago, and she used to just yeah. Sometimes I'd, we'd get into the office really early with being together, and there wouldn't be many people around. She'd say, "Oh." You know, and I'd sort of be unpacking my bag, unpacking my laptop, getting ready to get down to it, sending emails and et cetera. And she'd be like, let's just go for a coffee. Mm, like, mm-hmm. And my first response was always a bit fearful, you know, like, what do you mean? Yep. What do you mean? <laughs> Why? <laughs> what, what have I done? You know? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Am I, I going to be hauled to a police station? Um, and it was always so nice because it was, like you say, serendipitous. But when you're setting up, a formal teams coffee or you're saying, oh, let's chat. It's, it doesn't have that serendipitous feel, does it? It could, but I think it's the, you, but I think there's something really flattering for someone to think of you. Right. You're right. And if you, and if you have something written out that you copy and paste, it's like, hi, I've made it my goal for 2022 to have coffee with someone once a week. I decided today's going to be you if you have time <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> something, And then it gives, if you have the premise, so you're not looking like someone who's creepy and also have an objective <laughs> in mind, like you were on this, we're in the same area. I want to understand your views. Yeah. We are at the same office. We've been t- engaged with this. Like I, I had someone actually last week who messaged me because my name was against a page on a SharePoint that I had been managing a year and a half ago Yeah. and they got in touch and then they're like, Oh, do you want to have coffee? I'm like, yes, I'll be in the office this day. And we had coffee. It's great. And we are having ongoing conversations now because we That's found sweet. something that was in common. So I think it's the being open, but being purposeful and you're only people remember how you made them feel, whether it's in person, whether it's online, people, people want to be acknowledged. Yeah. Agreed. Totally. It's just, I think the one thing someone needs to be self-aware to understand if they, maybe ask a friend for feedback of whether they are needing to work on their boundary setting of timelines and do they over talk, do they do stuff? And this, maybe it's a good practice for them for engaging with other people too. So, yeah, because no yeah. one's a natural communicator as much as people like to think it's natural. No, no everyone really has to work isn't. at it. <laughs> it really isn't natural. It's something that you do have to work at. I love that purposeful. I like the idea that you can be uh, serendipitous in an online environment to some degree. I mm. like the fact that you are creating moments for you to have uh, in the office, so you're making the the time you are in the office purposeful. It's an event, mm-hmm. and you're setting up meetings whereby you go. And I think I've heard a lot of people talk about that. Speak to that, you know, going into the office to have discussions. And from my perspective, I would say because it's something that I find it can be overwhelming. I love your mm-hmm. idea about having that simplified approach whereby you just say there are key people I need to build a relationship with. Let me make sure that when I do see them, I you know, make a point of talking to them, having a conversation and maybe even setting up a, a time where we can have a deeper conversation later on, tea or coffee or whatever it may be. Um, and from my perspective, I would say uh, to the audience that you should definitely try and separate your stakeholders from the perspective of those who can really help you to achieve your objectives, which is something you mentioned earlier. 
but something specifically related to internal communications and employee engagement. So if you look at the annual survey, for example, or if you're doing a running survey or a running mm. touch point to find out where the challenges are, you know, you're always trying to, you know, get rid of the weaknesses or build on the, mm. the positives. Who can help you achieve that? So, you know, is there a challenge around rewards, recognition, benefits? You know, can you work with the reward provider, the reward lead, mm, lead mm-hmm. to do a bit more work around sharing updates and information on um, on what's offered to colleagues, to employees? Do you need to build a better relationship with them in order to get at that information? Because for me, that's the challenge. It's always trying to get the information that employees need to um, to feel engaged. No, agreed. The other, another, uh, just thinking, because you're saying about engaging people, reward, benefits, etc. It's also good to narrow down, even just from talking with other people, different employees to be the, to have your like mini focus group. Yeah, especially you have someone who's like very opinionated. Who I, one place I was going, uh, the one one person was very adamant that people who aren't coming in the office should get a pay cut <laughs> because oh. <laughs> like that kind of opinion. But it's where there's one person who thinks that you're going to have other people who think that. True. So you can't ignore that those people exist or that they have a certain perception, but you can keep in mind that that's still an important aspect of their lives and it impacts the ecosystem of engagement. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I totally agree with that. Well, if you had one tip for the audience on Mm. stakeholder management, what would it be? What would be, if there's only one thing that someone does in regards to stakeholder management throughout the year, what would you say that should be? Ooh, can I give two? Yeah, please do. <laughs> two even more value. Once you've uh, planted your uh, people on your stakeholder map, you need to review it because you are, it is about moving from point A to point B. <laughs> Mapping them once is fine, but it's no good if you're not revamping it and assessing where they are now. Cool. And my second bit is... Tying it into your think, feel, do, just which is very present, just stretch yourself to think, okay, but what does that mean in six months? Mm. What does that mean with the new vision that's coming that hasn't been released yet, but I know that they are going to be reacting to that. So we need to think more futuristic, more think more in the past, our present, and our in the moment comms, we need to think long term of what it means. What does engagement look like with this group? Yeah, a certain amount of time from now. Well, that's fantastic, Rebecca. Thank you so much for that. I love the idea of revisiting the stakeholder map. There's nothing worse than looking at a document. This is my constant bugbear. You know, people develop strategies for internal communication and then hide it in mm. some kind of folder somewhere online in the cloud. And then you, someone says, "Oh, this is our strategy." And you look at it. And like maybe six months later after the person who wrote it is gone and it's completely out of date or all the, the objectives for the organization are no longer relevant. Even the stakeholders have moved on or changed position. So you're right in saying revisit that map. So if you don't like the two by two grid, think of who of the audience in groups or individuals is impacted, interested or influential. Make a list of three, and there can be people who are in both lists, but this can help you think, categorize the people if the two-by-two grid doesn't work for you. 
Cool. Sound advice, Rebecca. Thank you so much. It's been fun. No worries. No worries. <laughs> I always enjoy a good stakeholder discussion. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.